Have you ever made a decision and started to wonder, man, did I make the right decision? Was this decision something that fit in with God's plan for my life? Or did I just make this decision just like off the wall, you know, because I ate bad pizza last night, just made a really bad decision. Are the plans I'm making, do they really fit with what God wants for my life? Now listen, if you are a follower of Jesus already, then those are probably the questions that we should be asking. Like, man, does that job I took, man, is that really what God wanted for my life? That car that I bought, uh, I don't know, was that just me or was that God, you know? And, but listen, I believe that even if you are on a spiritual journey and maybe have not yet said yes to Jesus fully, fully surrendering your life to him, you know what? I believe that even those who have not yet, right, completely surrendered their life to the Lord, have probably asked that question once or twice. You know, like, man, especially in really big decisions. You know, like, oh God, did I marry the right person? You know, like, you know, you know like for really big stuff, sometimes we'll even wonder about those things, even if we have not really fully surrendered our life to the Lord. Are the decisions I'm making fitting with God's plan and his will for my life? And can we even really know what God's will is? Is that even possible for us to really know his will? Well, listen, if you were here last week, we answered that question. And the answer is an emphatic, yes, we can know God's will for our lives. You can go back and listen to the whole message on YouTube or on our podcast, but We can know because he's given us his word. He's given us the Bible and particularly in the New Testament for followers of Jesus, we have clarity and we have wisdom about what God truly wants for your life and mine. But here's what I've discovered and I want you to turn to that little note page that you were handed on the way in because I believe that there are two primary ways that people will view God's will for their lives. And there's a little fill in the blank right there. They're going to put it up on the screen right here. We will either view God's will for our life kind of as a target or as this open field in which we are free to run around and have fun and explore and do the things that God created us to do. A target or an open field. So how do we get to these ideas? I believe it's in the way that we read the first verses of Romans chapter 12, which we're gonna read together right now. They're in your notes. Romans 12, one and two, very important piece of scripture right here that Paul wrote to a church just like ours. Now check this out what he says. He says, and so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you. Can, can you hear Paul? Right? I, I am pleading for my church, for my friends, for my brothers and sisters in the Lord. I am pleading with you to give your bodies to God because of all that he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice. The kind he will find acceptable. Let's just pause right there for a second. What what is he talking about? Give your bodies to God, like this this living, holy sacrifice. I mean, that sounds kind of weird. Like, am I supposed to climb up on the altar and like, you know, give myself? Uh, Yes, we are. Yeah, actually, that's, that's the way God called us to live. The language he's using here is the language of full and complete surrender. Say surrender. That's what he's getting at. He's like, and he says, because of all that God has done for us. He's even given us the very breath in our lungs. He's given us this amazing and beautiful world that we live in. He's given us a calling. He's given us his love. And he's actually given us his very life. He gave his life to redeem our lives. Wow. 
So for us to say, God, I come to that place of full and complete surrender to you, offering you all of what I am, all of who that I am, it's like that's a pretty good exchange for what God has given to us. So he says, I plead with you, surrender your lives fully to him. Then he goes on, he says, he says this, this is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behavior and customs of this world, but let God, what? Transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. So we're fully surrendered and then God will fully transform who we are. It says then, circle that word, then when we've surrendered our lives to God and allowed him to begin to transform us from the inside out, check this out, then you will learn to know what God's will is. Remember, we're talking about the circle of God's will, uh, this target or open field idea. Check this out. Then, when you've surrendered your hearts and your lives to God, you've allowed him to begin to transform you. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. Perfect. Now, I want you to go ahead and put that Yep, there you go. There, there it is. There, there. Check this out. Why do some people view God's will as a target? But because they, they view those three words, good, pleasing, and perfect, they, they picture it kind of like concentric circles or these rings on a target. And like on the outside, like that little outer ring, that's his goodwill. And then, but if you, if you get a little bit better, if you choose a little bit more wisely, okay, well, that's his pleasing will. But really, come on, people, the goal, the goal is to hit the bullseye. We want to be in his perfect will. But here's the problem with this target um, mindset, this target way of thinking about God's will for our lives. We can always be frantically chasing perfection. And we can always kind of live in this self-doubt. Like, oh man, this decision that I made, was it really in God's will? Or, you know, it's like, man, this person I married, I really don't know. It's like, you know, maybe they were on the outer rings of God's will for my life because this is not making me really happy right now. This does not feel like God's perfect will for my life. Chasing perfection. I had a friend growing up, went to youth group together, was a follower of Jesus, actually went into ministry, got married to another uh, girl that was in our youth group, beautiful couple, following Jesus, Bible college, the whole thing. And then it was some years later that I found out that he left his wife, divorced her. Why? I couldn't believe what I was hearing, but because she no longer made him happy. And he had this like way of thinking that God's will for my life is to be happy. Oh no, this is bad. This is bad theology, the bad way to think about God's will for our lives. Because guess what, friends? We are not always going to feel perfection. We are not always going to feel like we got it perfectly right. But God calls us to this new way of transformed living. And, and friends, I'm telling you, this idea of chasing after the bullseye perpetually in this frantic search where I don't want to settle for God's bronze medal. I don't even want to, sir, you know, go after the silver medal. I, God must have a gold medal for me, and it's just within my grasp. I'm going to chase after, and that's his target mentality. But there's this other way. There's a second way of thinking about God's will and what I'm just calling this open field. Amen. This open field. Now, why, why, what's the big difference? It's because we take those three words, good, pleasing, and perfect, and realize, oh, they're just adjectives. 
They're not concentric circles on a, you know, on a target. They are adjectives describing all of God's will. And just put this next slide up there, this next picture, because this right here is the way I believe that God's word actually reveals what his will is for us. That, listen, friends, all of his will is good. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing about God's will for your life that is bad. It is all pleasing. It may not feel pleasing in the moment, but when we get to the other side and we're looking back, we say, thank you, God. Thank you, God. Thank you for how you have made me and how you've wired me and how I get to experience your will. And all of his will is perfect. All of his will is perfect. Listen, friends, there's no imperfection within God. He can't do anything imperfect. All of his will is perfect. But what I like about this model and why I call it the circle of God's will, because even thinking about God's will in this open field idea is this. There's still a border, right? Or there's still a boundary around his will. And we talked quite a bit about this last week, that we chose to step over and into that circle, leaving behind darkness, entering into his light, right? Leaving behind those traps of sin where we just become enslaved to, to the things of darkness and of hell and we step into his freedom. Friends, it's like we do realize that we cannot straddle that line, that boundary line, and that's what God's word is there for, to help us see where those boundaries are. Because I don't want to live out there anymore. God, I've surrendered my life to you. I've stepped into the circle, and now you are transforming me within this so I can get all of that darkness and all of that yuck out of my heart, my mind, my life, my relationships, okay? This open field, I believe, allows us to take this, this idea of that I can live in God's will, but in that circle, I am free. I am free to run. I am free to explore. I'm free to involve myself in everything within this. And guess what, guys? This is a big world, and there is a million opportunities. You will never be able to explore all that is within this massive circle of his will because the world is too big. There's too many billions of people to meet. There's too many billions of people to, to serve and to love on and to be loved by. So friends, I invite you to take on this idea and leave behind the target mentality. Now, are there points where God will say, I want you to do this within the circle? Yep, and we're gonna get to that in a little bit. But to understand that his will, all of his will is good, pleasing, and perfect. So what we're going to do over this Sunday and next Sunday is we're going to dive deeper into the circle. Who's ready to dive? Who's ready, you ready to dive? You're going to run around this open field of God's will. And I believe what we're going to find, and, and, and we're going to look at five verses from Acts 16 in just a second. And what we're going to see is that within the circle of God's will, it's like if we were to turn it kind of flat and look at it this way, it's not all flat terrain. In fact, a lot of God's will, it's not like flat. It's like there's mountains and there's roadblocks and there are breakthrough moments in God's will. We're going to see them all in this story from Acts 16, but today we're only going to talk about the first one. We're going to talk about mountains, and we'll get back to that in a moment. So, Acts 16. I was tempted to show you a map. In fact, there, there's a map in my slides. We're not going to show it because it would take too long. If you, if, if you kind of can maybe picture the Mediterranean Sea, I don't know, Picture the Mediterranean Sea. Here it is right here. Israel is over on the eastern part of that. That's like, so if you're like in, uh, in Israel and go to the beach, what you're going to see is you're going to see the Mediterranean Sea and you're going to be looking west from there, okay? So 
Paul and his buddies, they are on these missionary adventures. They are going to new places where people didn't know about Jesus. They're going into a city and they are now sharing about Jesus and they leave Israel long behind. They go north and they start like coming around the top of the Mediterranean Sea and they're in this place called Galatia, okay? In Galatia, there are cities that we read about in the Bible. Well, one of the books of the Bible is to the Galatians. But Galatia is not a city. It's like a region. So they, they're up in Galatia, and, and there's cities like Antioch that we read about. Very important city when we're reading the New Testament. Lots of great things happen in the city of Antioch because Paul is there, and they're on this missionary adventure. When we read this these five verses, it could almost sound like this is like this geography lesson. Don't get mixed up with all the names of the cities you've never heard before. It, you know, it's like there's a lot of cities in America I haven't even heard of before. Don't get mixed up in that. What, what I want you to hear is that they were moving around and that God did something really unusual in their story. Listen, Paul and his friends were in the circle of God's will. And they had this understanding, I really believe, this open field. We can go anywhere and do anything that God would like to lead us to do. So that's what they are doing, and we're going to read how God interacts with them as they're doing that. Here we go. Acts 16, 6 through 10. Paul and Silas traveled through the area of Phrygia and where? Galatia. It's this big region up north and to the west of Israel. Because the Holy Spirit had prevented them. What? The Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching. What? The Holy Spirit had prevented them from preaching the word in the province of Asia to this time. Asia's like to the west of Galatia. It's further west. Then, coming to the borders of Mysia, they headed north for the province of Bithynia. But again... What the spirit of Jesus did not allow them to go there. Interesting. So instead, they went on through Mysia to the seaport of Troas. Let's pause right there for a moment. The, the interesting thing about this is that these are all real places. Paul was a real person, just like us, and these are real places. And I was looking up the distances between some of these places from Antioch to where he ends up right here in the Sea of Troas, which is all the way to the west when you, where you hit the Aegean Sea. And so they're like going around, like running around saying, God, we believe that you want us to, to do your work, but you keep stopping us, but we're going to keep going. I love the fact that they never gave up. And from Antioch to Troas is over 250 miles. These are real people without real cars, hoofing it to get long distance. This would be like you walking to Sacramento, okay? That's kind of like just walking day after day. God, what, where's the people that you want us to minister to? Where's the open door? Where, God, because we're going for it. We're, we're like on this mission of doing your will with our lives, but we keep hitting these roadblocks. We, we get someplace and you don't, <laughs> we can't even figure this out. You are not letting us preach your gospel in these other places. God is moving them by closing doors. We're going to talk a lot more about that next week, these roadblocks that we, we hit. So they get all the way, over 250 miles away to the city of Troas. Now listen to what God does when they get to Troas. That night, they finally arrive. They can't go any further west because they're like, at the Aegean Sea. That night, Paul had a vision. A man from Macedonia in northern Greece was standing there in this vision, pleading with him, come over to Macedonia and help us. So we decided to leave for Macedonia at once. I love this. I mean, it's like, they're on it, guys. They're moving. At once, they get up. They find 
a boat, I guess, because the only way to get to Macedonia is to cross the Aegean Sea. They keep going west, and they get there. We decided to leave for Macedonia once, having concluded, important word, that God was calling us to preach the good news there. And I'm so thankful he did, because if, if I, I love the book of Philippians. Guess what? The Philippians is in Macedonia. It's in this other region that we, we like read scripture that was based on the friendships he made in this new land. So check this out. Just like Paul and his friends in this story that are like running around, going from place to place, moving in different directions according to what they felt was best, they hit and, and listen, I, I believe they came to mountains, I believe they came to roadblocks, and then they have this amazing breakthrough moment. I believe that we encounter those same three things in our stories. Today we're just talking about the first one, mountains. What are mountains? They're in your notes. Check this out. Mountains always represent challenges. Mountains always represent Challenge. I'm not talking about literal mountains here. I'm talking about these challenges that are out in front of us in the circle of God's will. It's like it ain't all a beach. It ain't all like just like a big park setting where we just go and chill on the 4th of July. These are like challenges that we face in the circle of God's will. But look, what I, look, look in your notes a little further. Sometimes you pick the mountain... And sometimes God picks the mountain for you. Oh. Sometimes I get to pick my own challenge. Sometimes God picks the challenge for me that I'm about to walk through, and it's all in God's will. Listen, last week we talked about the beauty of how God made each one of us that every one of us is not made by accident. Like the way we are, the things that we like, dislike, our passions, our, you know, all of those things, even our spiritual gifts, even some of our life experiences, the good ones and the bad ones. It's like it's made us like who we are and it's not by accident. We have been uniquely and beautifully crafted by God why? So that in the circle of his will, that we will sense a particular destination that we're to go to. In other words, we are free most of the time to choose our own mountains. The things that God is prompting me to do. In fact, we looked at this verse last week. I'm putting it back in your notes again because it's so important for us. In 2 Thessalonians 1.11, where it says, May God give you the power to accomplish all the good things your faith prompts you to do. Your faith prompting you to do. This is that open field idea, right? That in God's will, he has made you in a certain way. And giving you, like, this faith. He even, like, stirs up this faith within us. It's a gift. And that faith is going to prompt Cindy Slay to do something different than Dennis Jordan. Right. It's going to prompt Aaron and Jen to be prompted a little bit differently in how we are going to respond in faith to what he calls us to do. So we have this beautiful freedom based on how he made us. For the good works, says in Ephesians, that he planned before he even made the world. That he had these ideas for us, for you and for me, that Tim gets to do some things, Lisa gets to do some things, and they're gonna be a little different to reflect his glory differently, to get out there and get stuff done in this big, beautiful world that needs doing, but we can't all do the same thing. So he's made you uniquely with certain beautiful attributes and passions and people that you love and long to see redeemed in their story and God is gonna lead you to them. You're free to run around this big circle of his will and do good in the name of Jesus. Things that 
your faith prompts you to do. And your faith is never going to prompt you to jump back out of the circle and do something stupid and bad. Hey, I'm going to go back to alcoholism. Woo! Now, your faith is never going to prompt you to do something back into darkness. Neither is your faith ever going to, like, tell you to live a life of perpetual ease. Your faith is never going to tell you, oh, dear child, for the next year, just don't lift your head off your pillow, you know? <laughs> just rest in me. Uh, now, listen, God does call us to rest. We've preached whole messages on that. We've talked about that. We've seen what God, he doesn't call us to be in this frenzy. But he never calls us to perpetual ease and rest. Our faith is always going to prompt us to climb mountains, to take on a new challenge, to do something that maybe I haven't done before or go back up that mountain that I thought I was all done with. And it's like, no, I have more for you up there. Get up, my faith is gonna like prompt me. And guess what? Most of the time we get to choose the challenges that we take on. Like, I love photography. I love speaking. I love studying God's word. Those are things that he put within me. I get to run up those particular mountains and have a lot of fun and joy there and find contentment for my soul knowing that I am in God's will for my life. Most of the time, I get to choose my mountains. Listen to how Paul describes his mountain that he gets to climb. It's, it's found there, it's in your notes, Romans 15, 20. Listen to how Paul describes this in his own life. He says, my ambition has always been to preach the good news where the name of Christ has never been heard. Rather than where a church has already been started by someone else. See, that was Paul in his uniqueness, the way God made him. He had this pioneer leadership spirit about him different than other people. In fact, when we read the book of Acts, we see that a lot of the apostles stayed right in Jerusalem. That's where they like, that was home base, that was home camp. They were doing their thing based on how God made them. And Paul's like, mm, this isn't for me. This is not how God wired me. I was not made to stay in one place. I was meant to travel. I got traveling shoes, right? These boots, Paul said, were made for walking. He was this, he was wired that way. And so what did he do? Went up to Galatia and then tried to go west into Asia. God's like, no, okay, we're heading north. We're heading up to Bithynia. God says, yeah, that's not, that's not opening those doors. Those borders are closed to you. Okay, we're gonna turn left. We're gonna do a hard left turn, go over 200 more miles and hang out in Troas because we are moving. Those were all mountains, friends. New challenges, new people they were encountering. They didn't know whether they were going to stay there for a long time or a short time. They were going to see what clicked and what they discover up that mountain. But they get all the way to Troas when they, when they find that God was doing something unique and different in their story. Go to Macedonia. I have a mountain I'm choosing for you this time, Paul. You've been really faithful running around and choosing your own challenges, but guess what? Now I have a challenge for you. In our lives, friends, I believe as we're seeking to live in God's will, like I said, most of the time we get to choose our own mountains, the challenges that we're gonna take on. And then once in a while, God will surprise us and say, yeah, but now I've got a challenge for you. I have a mountain named Ken Rebhan Mountain. And this is just for you, buddy. Are you willing? And so he will call us to these points of mountains to climb where there's no success guaranteed, but what is guaranteed is that we're going to learn obedience, okay? Yes, Lord, I accept that. And we'll learn to trust him more every step as we climb up because God, you called me here. You were the one that assigned this to me. So Lord, as I am faithful and I'm trusting in you, I know I'm gonna learn something. Success is not guaranteed, at least the way we would write it. 
But guess what? All of God's will is good, pleasing, and perfect. So he's up to something. He's up to something, friends. He's up to something. We're going to get to that in just a moment. What might God be up to? What are things that mountains do in our story? God in my life has allowed me to choose most of my mountains. Get involved over here. Go, go and run and do ministry with these people. And for a lot of my life, my mountain was young people. It was like the next generation. Man, I, and I so love it. It's still in my spirit, you know. The dust from those mountains never has left me. You know, my, my love and passion for, for especially for junior hires and high school students, college-age students. I mean, that was decades of my life of, like, God allowing me to climb up this mountain and that, that mountain. And then along the way, there was some directions that he gave. So I have a new mountain. We, we were in Southern California doing ministry for a long time, and then God began to say, I got a new mountain for you. It's on the East Coast. And I've shared some of that before. I'm not gonna go into a lot of detail, but it was like we knew that this was like a yes or a no thing. We were either gonna say no to God and, and risk it on our own, <laughs> or we were gonna say yes to the mountain that he was showing us all the way across the continent. And our kids were like six, eight, and 10. And it was like, wow, this would be a huge move. But you know what? I'm so thankful that we said yes to the mountain that God had for us. Because we believed that it was like very clear that this was a mountain that he was assigning to us. Not one of our own choosing. And then life took us in different directions after that. After that, we got to make some of our own decisions about the mountains that we were going to go up. It led us back to the West Coast. And then eventually, this city of Santa Maria comes on our radar. And I'll have to tell you, this was not a mountain that God assigned to us, like, go to Santa Maria. We did not ever feel that we had this like massive word from the Lord that said, you must go to Santa Maria. But we began exploring it. We began like, we, we came here, we drove around, we looked, we, we met people. We, we like literally drove around the blocks right around where this church is. And guess what? We felt like, Kelly, I, I think that God's created us for here. Listen, one of the things about our stories is that I think God has used us a lot in bridge building. And some of that is bridge building between different cultures. When our kids, six, eight, and 10, were growing up in Southern California, they were like the only blonde kids in their class. You know, it was like, it was really easy for Kelly to find them coming out of school, right? Dark hair, dark hair, dark hair, blonde, you're mine. Okay, just come this way, come this way. Like we have lived and ministered in a multicultural environment. Probably the pastor that had the greatest influence on my life from junior high all the way into my 30s is a short, stocky Mexican, Pastor Ralph Torres, who I owe so much to for shaping my life and shaping my story for ministry. And guess what? I was like raised by Mexicans. Who knew? Who knew? At, at a pretty white church, by the way, at that time becoming more diverse as the years went on in Southern California. But my youth pastor and then the pastor that I followed um, out of that church was Ralph Torres. Pretty fascinating. And we had this multicultural church in Pasadena that then where I started doing youth ministry where we had kids that were of Latin descent. We had, we had kids who were Armenian. We had kids who were African-American. Uh, it's like, it was amazing. This multicultural, this bridge building of figuring out how to work in different cultural environments. But also I believe that God like put something in our heart to be a bridge builder because this is a church with, guess what, last Sunday, 94 years as the Foursquare Church in the, in the Santa Maria Valley. 90, we just celebrated our 94th birthday. We didn't make a big deal about it because six years from now we're going to go crazy, okay, 100 years, six years. But I believe that God's also called us to be bridge builders, bridging from a really strong legacy as a church in this community. But God's not done with this church, and we have a future. 
an exciting mission in this region and on the central coast. And we believe that we're bridge builders, both of culture and also history, looking forward to what God has for us. So why mountains? Why challenges? And I just want to finish these last couple of minutes by, by looking at what are two things that mountains do for us? Why would our faith prompt us to keep climbing new mountains, taking on new challenges, or sometimes God saying, no, I, now I got one for you. Come this direction. I want to talk about two things that mountains do. One, mountains cause us to grow. Mountains cause us to grow. Whether it's one that we choose to climb or one that God says, no, I want you to climb this one. These challenges, by their very nature, <laughs> right, are going to cause us to grow. If we are climbing, we are growing. Think about that. If you're climbing, like even a literal mountain, guess what? Every step, man, you are stretching those muscles. Oh, they're starting to ache. Can I go on any further? If you're climbing, you're growing. And spiritually, friends, every step you take that is up and to the right, I won't spend a lot of time there, but a lot of you know what I'm talking about. Up, God calls us up and to the right. Every step that we take that is like in this up and to the right direction, up this mountain, up this challenge, guess what? Is it is causing our spiritual muscles to be formed. Man, this past week, Kyron and Mike and Jasmine up in our media, on our media team, guess what they did? They stretched their spiritual muscles going up a, a, a literal mountain right? The San Bernardino Mountains, going up and serving our children at kids camp. And you talk to them after service, each one of them is going to tell you, wow, I did not know how amazing this was going to be. They're going to tell you that they grew as they were climbing the mountain of kids camp. A little scary. These are not all my children. I don't know all these kids. They might bite me. They may stink. They may, I don't know what they're going to do. But by saying yes to like, no, I, I think I was made for this. Let's go. They grew. When we're climbing, friends, we are growing. Amen. Scripture tells the first place we ever get the idea, no pain, no gain. It's the Bible. It's, it's there in your notes. James 1. Count it joyful to face hardships, challenges, even pain in our stories. Why? Because this is what's going to perfect us, friends. This is what is going to grow us and mature us. In fact, I'm going to go so far, and this is in your notes. If my faith never prompts me to do hard things, hard things, I'm probably not listening to Jesus. Ouch. Now listen, your hard thing is going to be different than my hard thing. I get that. We're all at different points. Some of you today are here and you're, you're kind of hurting or maybe hurting a lot. Maybe in your story there's some brokenness and there's pain. Guess what? The mountain that God has for you is one that will fit. Maybe your mountain is like finally being willing to pick up the phone and call a counselor. Whew. Your faith may prompt you to do that. Or maybe it may be, because in just a couple of minutes, we're going to have prayer team folks right here. And you've sat and you've not gone up and you're like, I'm not going to go and tell anybody at this church my story. I'm not going to have anybody pray for me. Maybe your mountain is just like, you know what? Surrender that to Jesus. And part of that surrendering, maybe just be like saying, hey, I've got an issue that I'm struggling through. But some of you are not at a point of weakness or a place of brokenness. Some of you are just like, I'm living life, and, but I'm, I'm kind of living life maybe on the flats of God's will. And I believe that God would call you to pick a mountain. Choose one. Like what, what might be your mountain? Maybe it's like starting to reach out in love and influence on your neighbors. Maybe it's your coworkers, people you go to school with. I don't know who it is. It might even be your family members. Pick a mountain and say, God, I'm gonna start praying. 
I'm going to start looking for opportunities. I'm going to start making some opportunities because, God, this is my mountain. I'm going to write it on the wall of my house. I'm going to put it on a post-it note and stick it, like, on the mirror where I get ready in the morning. That's my mountain, God. You know this is who I'm praying for and who I'm going after, and I'm going to love on them until I see healing and breakthrough in their life. Maybe it's involved getting in, involved in one of the outreaches or ministries here at the Santa Maria Forest Square Church. Pick a mountain. And then at some point, don't be surprised, God's going to say, now I've got a mountain for you. Now this is what I want you to do next. Okay. Because mountains will cause you to grow. Second thing, last thing is this. Mountains will also provide us with perspective. They're going to provide us with Perspective. When how, way back when I was a youth pastor, one of the coolest things we ever did, did it two summers in a row, we took kids backpacking through Yosemite. It's unbelievable, like a full week. I mean, we went miles and saw unbelievably cool things, chased by bears, the whole thing. It was amazing, <laughs> literally. Not chased, but scared away by bears. So when you're in a tent and that bear is trying to come into your tent, that's kind of being chased by a bear. So... But one of the coolest experiences ever had, you can't do this anymore, we climbed up Half Dome, okay, full backpacks, and that was a crazy story, climbed up Half, Half Dome and spent the night up there. Can't do that anymore. They don't let you do it anymore. Last year's we did it was kind of the last year's that they let people do that. I remember standing on top of Half Dome at night under the stars. And you could actually, check this out, it's why I'm telling you the story, you could actually see the glow of lights all the way from Fresno, which is over 90 miles away. Friends, mountains give you perspective that you didn't have before. You're on top of Half Dome, you're actually like, this is like weird, but you're like looking down at the horizon. Like, you're looking down on the tops of other mountains. Mount, you could not see that until you climbed the mountain. Till you got up to the top, you could not see what was over that ridge. But now you're up here, and you're like looking down on other mountains. Mountains will give you perspective that you lacked and you did not have. But the only way to get that perspective is what? Climbing. Moving forward. Listen, when I said go, you pick up that phone and call, call a counselor, do you know what counselors do? Give you perspective you didn't have before? Oh, freaking heck. I thought I had my life all figured out on my own. Thank you very much. Then you talk to a counselor and they're like, hey, let me talk to you about your mom. I'm not here to talk about my mom. Well, I want to talk to you about your mom. And all of a sudden you start talking about your mom and all of a sudden you're making these connections and getting these perspectives like I, I, I did not realize how this all tied together and who I am or, or why I'm behaving this way over here. Listen, mountains will give you perspective, but you got to do the climbing, friends. You ain't going to get it at the foot of the mountain. But there are some people who say, I will not climb that mountain unless God tells me to climb that mountain. I'm going to sit right here at the foot of the mountain. I don't have a word from the Lord, Pastor, about that thing that you're saying or suggesting. So I'm going to sit here, right? At, I need a word from the Lord. And this is what, is there in your notes? Check this out. This is the no before you go argument. It's the no before you go argument. Like, I want to know that this is the absolute perfect thing to do, right? It's that, because I believe this takes us back to that target mentality. That I'm not going to go unless I know this is perfect. Can't just be good or pleasing to God. It's got to be the gold medal choice. And unless I know, unless God writes it on the wall so I can see it, I ain't, I'm going to sit right here at the foot of the mountain. I'm not going to go up that mountain because I don't have a word from the Lord. I'm like, okay. You can do that. And I think a lot of people do that, and I believe that a lot of people miss opportunities both to grow and to gain new perspective because they sit there waiting for something hyper-specific from God, right? 
Now, can he bring those things? He can. He did in the story that we read. Got this vision, this guy from Macedonia. Come west. We need you. Bring help. And they concluded that that was what? That that was God's direction for them. Well, bless the Lord. But all the other cities and stuff that they went to and churches that they started and books of the Bible that we read today were written to people that they chose. That's my mountain. That's my challenge. I'm going. So there's another way. Instead of know before you go, check this out. I believe that oftentimes, I love this, we know because we go. We know because we go. Because I said, okay, I'm going to get off my backside and start climbing up this mountain. I don't know where it's going to take me. I don't have a guarantee of success. But what we all of a sudden discover is that, whoa, now I know more than I did before. Because I sat with that counselor or because I started serving in Safari Kids Ministry and all of a sudden I didn't know that I loved kids the way that I do. I didn't know that. I didn't know by getting involved in the Be Empowered Women's Ministry mountain, like take that step, climb up there, get, it, get into that group. I didn't know that I needed a circle of ladies around my life. Men were gathering for prayer on Wednesday nights right through July, 6.30 each, t- each week uh, on Wednesday nights in here praying for an hour. And it's like, ah, ah that's somebody else's mountain. I'm, I'm not one of those prayer people. Come. You know what? Unless you climb up that mountain, you're not going to gain the perspective that God may reveal to you in prayer. Maybe somebody's going to pray for you and it's going to unlock something new. You hear what I'm saying? We have mountains to climb, friends. And we're not going to grow. We're not going to gain perspective unless we climb in the circle of his will. Jesus went to Peter and Andrew. It's, it's there in your notes where, where, where it's, he says this. Come, follow me, and I will show you new things. I'm gonna, you've been fishing for fish. I'm going to show you how to fish for people. You know what? Imagine if they'd said, you know, that's not my mountain. They would have never had the growth in their lives that we still are beneficiaries of today through what they wrote in Scripture. But they wouldn't have been the beneficiaries from the growth. The perspective that they gained by just saying, okay, Jesus will follow you. They didn't know he was God yet. They didn't know that this guy saying, hey, come follow me. They knew he was like this cool rabbi dude and like he, he was wise and seemed to be loving. And, you know, but they did not know that he was the Christ, the promised Messiah. Till years later, years, years they followed him. Hey, follow me some, follow me further. Got another mountain for you to climb. Come on, come on, come on, come follow, Peter, Andrew. Come follow me, and I will show you. What does God want to show you, friends? Climb up and find out. And come back next week, because we're going to talk about roadblocks and breakthrough moments all in the circle of his will. Jesus, thank you. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for your will, for your good, pleasing, and perfect plans you have for every single one of us here, everyone in the courtyard, everyone that's watching online or hearing this message. God's plans for you are good. God's plans for you are pleasing. God's plans for you are perfect. But you gotta explore. You gotta get out there. You gotta climb. You gotta say yes to these promptings of your faith. Listen to what your faith is prompting. Maybe it's one of the things I mentioned today about neighbors or counselors or safari kids or women's or men's ministries. I don't know. Maybe it's something that is just very unique to you in your situation that I don't even know about. But I believe that as people of faith in Jesus, that our faith is going to prompt us. And then there are certain times that God's going to say, I have an assignment for you, a particular mountain with your name on it.
Let's be people who are climbing, growing, seeking Him. And for those who have kept saying no to Him, ah, oh, there's grace for you. I think there's probably somebody in this room that you have said no to God 150 times. Maybe it was to the simplest invitation that we read about in Romans 12 where it's just like, will you surrender? Will you give yourself over to him because he's done so much for you? And you said, no. I want full and complete control of my own life. I want to control my own story, my own narrative. Jesus is inviting you again. I have something new. Will you follow me? I have things I want to show you about your life, about the good, pleasing, and perfect plans I have for you. It starts with saying yes. It starts with saying, okay, Jesus, I'll follow you. And if there's anyone here today who says, man, I have not taken that first step of surrender, but you hear God's voice calling you today, would you say yes to him? Would you surrender? Because God wants to transform your story from the inside out. And if that's you, a simple way to just say yes to the Lord is by just like raising your hand and looking up at me and saying, Pastor, I'm doing that today. I am surrendering my life, my story, my will to his. Yeah, ma'am, I see you. Look, just look up at me for a second. I agree with you. It's a big decision. I'm proud of you. I'm proud of you. God loves you so much. God loves you so much. Ma'am, I agree with you. Yeah. Anybody else? Sir, I agree with you. Yeah, ma'am. Right on. Bless the Lord. You are loved by God. Look, look up at me. You are loved by God. And I cannot promise that every day of your story is going to be like, woo, happy right, the way we think of it, but I'm going to tell you, it's going to be perfect and good, and he's never going to leave you. He will never, ever leave you. If you're online and you're like, man, I want to, I want to say yes to him, do it now. Just say, God, I'm saying yes to you. I'm surrendering my life to you. And go over onto our website. Would you just let us know? Would you just reach out to us? Because we have materials for you to help you begin to grow. Jesus, thank you for your people. Lord, thank you for each one of their beautiful stories. Filled with challenges, filled with things, Lord, that only you and they know about. But God, I know that you are at work in their lives. So now come and bless. Bless. Bless your people. Bless them as they climb. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, friends, we have a prayer team right down in front. Like I said, if you've got an issue that you're going through and struggling, don't carry it alone. Come find someone to pray with. You don't have to tell them everything. Just tell them something, right? You don't have to tell them all the gory details. Tell them something. David is out in the courtyard Find David if you're out in the courtyard. Let's pray together, minister to one another, and, and anticipate having a great 4th of July tomorrow. Friends, you are loved. So looking forward to being back and finishing this with you next week. Be blessed.